pride in the generations that have come before you. And I really take pride in my first and last name, Isaiah Steele. When I was in kindergarten, my teacher told me, boy, you're going to do some good things. You have a name of a star. And that has stuck with me since I was five years old, 23 now. And I'm like, man, I am going to be a star one day. It's going to happen. Isaiah means salvation, still means strength and wisdom and bravery and all kinds of stuff. It's an Irish word, and I had to Google it a few years ago because I was like, man, this thing is so cold-blooded, I want to get it tatted on me one day. Have not because I'm scared of needles, but the Lord is a healer, amen. <laughs> Haven't done it yet. I've been telling my mom I'm going to get a tattoo since I was about 16. Ain't done it yet, but it's going to happen one day, maybe. We'll see. But anyway, I've loved my name, and there's so much power in the name, and I felt like it's been instilled in me since I was a boy. I remember my grandmother telling me a story about how steels are brave and strong and, and we're, we're leaders and, and, you know, whatnot. And she's pumping me up. And she told me a story of folklore. I don't know how, I don't know how true this is about how my great-grandfather was chased by a bear. And, and, he, and, he, and he lived to see it. Now, I don't know if y'all have seen The Revenant yet. Have y'all seen The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio? Well, the bear tore this dude up and was throwing him around. And I don't know if you've ever seen bears do work, but bears are vicious. And my grandfather outran a bear. About a mile and a half away from his house, he ran all the way home. And my great-grandmother said that she heard him yelling from out, help, open the door, open the door. And she opened the door, and he flies in. And here's a black bear chasing my great-grandfather in. And boom, runs into the door, does not get my grandfather. So the moral of the story was, steals run fast. <laughs> Don't be a lineman. <laughs> and I've realized that, well, I took pride in that. And so as my life has continued to go on, I've noticed things that my father has done that has made me take more pride in being a steel and being, being proud of my name. Like, like I said, you're supposed to be proud of your name. You're supposed to be proud of what you come from. And, and I've watched my dad go through some different things in life, and it's made me proud. Like he has no fear at all. This dude is not scared of anything. He's not. And it's weird because we went to the Gulf of Mexico probably four or five years ago, and if you know me, you know I don't like animals. I just got used to dogs like two weeks ago. I just got used to dogs. Like I was the kid and I walk in your house, you got a dog? You got a dog? Oh, I'm going to be outside chilling. It could be a chihuahua, but they, I'm like, they bite too. They got teeth too. You know what I mean? You don't know who they want to attack that day. It could just be that day where they just snap. You know what I mean? And so with them, with me not liking animals, uh, we ended up going jet skiing. And I really especially don't like animals in the water. Okay? It's not that I don't like them, I don't trust them. I don't trust animals in the water. You know why? Because animals in the water are, are, are deceitful. They watching you before they come and attack you. You can't see them. All they see is your feet just kicking in the water. And beneath the abyss, they coming up to get you. You know what I'm saying? And so I never trusted animals. And so somebody, I don't know who it was, I think it was one of my friends, told me that in the Gulf of Mexico, there are anacondas in the ocean. And so I'm like, man, I seen the movie Anaconda with J-Lo and them. I do not want no part of an Anaconda. Okay? And so I remember being, uh, uh, we're going into the water, and I'm like, okay. My fiance at the time is like, hey, we're going to make it happen. Don't be scared. You want to drive? You want me to drive? I said, girl, I'm driving. What you think this is? And so I get, on the I get on the jet ski, and we get going. So my whole key is we don't fall off this thing because there has been an Anaconda chasing us for the last two miles. And every time I look back, it ducks under the water, acting like I can't see him. 
obviously this is going on in my head, but this is reality at this point. I'm like, this anaconda not going to get me. Not today, Satan, not today. And so, and so as time goes on, I remember we're riding on a jet ski, we're making it happen, and we're, we're racing at this point, and everybody's having a good time, and I forgot about this anaconda that's been trailing me for three and a half miles now. I forgot about it. I'm like, man, you can't even get me, because I'm up here, you down there, you can't come up here. You know what I mean? And so as time goes on, uh, we get to my dad, my dad's like, hey, let's race. And I'm like, all right, let's race. And so we get on the jet skis, and we take off. We take off, and we're going all fast through the water, and everything's going good. And, and, and before you know it, they win the race. Him and I are on the same jet ski, my younger brother. And they're celebrating. I'm celebrating. And at the same time, there's a, a, a tugboat coming past really fast. And when it came past, it made this wave. So I'm sitting here, and I see the wave coming. And so right away, I'm like, devil, you a liar, number one. Number two, Devin, hold on, because if you fall off, you're going to go down by yourself. Because you're not going to drag me down. How many of you know people will try to drag you down with them, and they mess? If you lose your balance, don't try to take me down because you lost balance. You better use your core. You better flex them abdominals that the Lord gave you. And so I remember her a few times even being like, whoa, whoa. I'm like, yep, you better chill. So if she leaned that way, I'm here. Because if she fell over, she'd just fall over. Grab my foot, get back on. Grab my foot. Grab my foot, get back on. <laughs> grab it. Babe, grab my foot, get back on. And so the wave is coming. I remember telling her, hey, you better hold on. And she, woof, tightens up. And I flex, ah, right? And at this point, Poseidon, the wave is headed at me, and I'm about to ride this thing out. So as it comes over me, I'm, nope. I'm like, we good. Meanwhile, I see Ira and Dad not paying attention, laughing, talking. I said, hey, the wave. And they look, and boom, they get hit. All I see is the bottom of Ira's feet. My dad is flying, and he's laughing. <laughs> he goes into the water. Now, at this point, my whole family's in panic. Oh, Get the pastor out the water. You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, you're like, get him out the water. He already been baptized. You know what I'm saying? Like, we already like, oh, my gosh. Ira comes out the water. He's, ah! And I'm like, come on, man. Come on, man. And so Ira starts swimming. And I don't know if he saw my reaction, but he started looking back. Like, in my head, I saw a shark fin. You can't tell me I didn't. In my head, a shark was trailing him. It's been trailing us for four and a half miles. The shark and the anaconda been teaming up together, hunting the steels down. And so Ira hurries up, gets back on the jet ski, and I'm like, where's dad? Where's dad? My mom's panicking, and dad comes up, and he's cracking up laughing. He thinks it's the funniest thing ever. And he don't swim that good, so he doggy pedals on back to the boat. <laughs> he climbs back on the jet ski, and he's like, "Woo! the water feels kind of good, actually. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand that uh, anaconda almost ate you? He's like, what? And I'm like, nothing. The moral of the story is we're brave people. And so as I've gotten older, I've taken pride in that. I've taken pride in what I'm attached to. So I've noticed that once I hit around like 22, 23 now, around 22, I realized I can't be afraid of things no more. You know what I mean? Like little things like that don't, afraid, don't, don't make me afraid. Like my buddy, my buddy has a boat. We go to the lake. I dive in the water. I'm not afraid. I'm a fearless man. And I don't think it's just because I'm fearless because the God on the inside of me, but because I know the name I'm attached to is steel and it's strength and bravery. Now, you got to flip that and understand the name that you're attached to, and that's not only your family name, but the name of all names, and that's Jesus Christ, amen? 
Come on now, we serve a God that is bigger than anything that can come at you, amen? And so that's what we serve, and that's who we identify ourselves with. That is our Father, our Heavenly Father. And so that with our natural Father, oh, come on now, you are one bad person. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you bad. Look at the other one and say, you bad too, brother. That's what I'm talking about. So really quick tonight, what we're going to be talking about, three ways to strengthen your identity. Three ways to strengthen your identity. Number one, you've got to let yourself die to let him live through you. You've got to let yourself die to let him live through you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Let's go there. 2 Corinthians chapter, um, yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. And it says, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of of Jesus. Oh, come on now. You can shout on that right there. You know that you being in this, in this sanctuary right now, you being alive, is God saying that you are promised a life to live. You are promised an abundant life to be here. So you are stamped with the yes of Jesus. Oh, come on now. I see a whole bunch of people stamped with the yes of Jesus. Oh, I see all kinds of kids every Sunday stamped with the yes of Jesus. And it continues on, you're stamped with yes to Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen. God's yes and our yes together. Glorious, evident, God, God affirming us, making us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he has destined to complete. I love how it says a destined to complete because God knows that the things that he's done in our lives, he's not done yet. There's things in our lives that he is yet to complete, but he's going to make it happen. But before you can allow God to complete certain things, there's certain things on the inside of you that you have to let die. There's certain things on the inside of you that you have to sacrifice and say, I'm going to let that go. That happened 20 years ago, five years ago, six months ago, two weeks ago, one day ago, but I'm going to let it go because there are certain things that I have to let die in order to, Lord, to let God live on the inside of me. You know, it does not matter what kind of car you drive. It doesn't matter what kind of house you live in. It doesn't matter your past, your present. It doesn't matter the certain situations that the enemy puts you in. You have to understand, at the end of the day, God is here, so we have to sacrifice some things in our life to let him live, to let him beam through the different holes in our life, to let him, to let him take away the dirty things that we have done in our past. Come on, how many of us in here have been dirty? Don't raise your hand. But how many of us in here have done that? How many, of us, how many of us in here have made some mistakes and you know better? Come on now. We, you, you be in the church. You're serving the Lord. You know right from wrong, and you still make a mistake. And then the enemy tries to trick you and say, see, you going to church ain't even doing nothing. You going to church and serving, that's not even doing nothing for you. The lies of the enemy try to come, and you got to say, whoa, 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 hold up, devil. Hold on one second, devil. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm going to continue to give the perfect effort to serve my Jesus, and I'm going to continue to sacrifice certain things in my life to let my life be complete. Oh, come on now. You got to believe that. You got to believe that. You got to stop being a victim and become the victor. Oh, come on now. So too long the devil has tried to hold us down and let us feel sorry for ourselves. But you got to understand what name you're attached to. You're attached to the name above all names. You're attached to the one. You're attached to the one who's allowed us to continue to live, the one who created the universe. That's who you're attached to. You're not attached to your mistake. You are not attached to your depression. You are not attached to your insecurities. 
but you are attached to the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, if you believe that on tonight, come on, put your hands together. If you believe that on tonight, you are attached to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Look at your neighbor and say, kill yourself. Look at the other one and say, not really, though, not really, though, not really, not really, though. Let yourself die to let him live. Let yourself die to let him live. Get rid of your own selfish ways to let him live. Get rid of your own bad habits to let him live. Come on now, get rid of your own stuck on stupid mentality to let him live. Let it go. It's time to let some things go, people. It's time to let some things go. Number two, you got to surround yourself with people who know who they are. And we can leave service now. We'll see you. Surround yourself with people who know who they are. This script, this is the scripture, this is like the scripture of the year up in Contagious. Proverbs 13:20. Pro- oh, yes. Proverbs 13:20 in the message Bible says, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. My God in heaven, my you know how many people, if they would have had that scripture, would not be in prison right now. There's people who, if they didn't have that scripture, they wouldn't be in the grave right now. But you have an opportunity to spread that. You have an opportunity to put that in your life and pass that on to the next generation. Fools walk with fools. The wise walk with wise. Be with people who know who they are. When I was a freshman in high school, uh, I played football all four years, of course, and you know our family's big football. It's like Jesus and football right there, real close. And so my freshman year, I was a running back, and uh, I ended up tearing my MCL before the first game, okay? And I was supposed to be out for six to eight weeks. We went to the doctor. They said, hey, you're out six to eight weeks. And I'm like, yo, that's the whole season. You know what I mean? And so we ended up going to another doctor in like Mesa who didn't know about me, and she approved me. Anyway, it was terrible. It was terrible. But anyway, so I went out there, and I played. And my first game back, people were like, oh, we got Zay back. We about to make it happen. And I'm like, yeah, you already know. Give me the rock, coach. Give me the rock. Okay, little did I know, every time I cut, it felt like somebody was stabbing me in my knee. And the team we were playing was Brophy. Y'all heard of Brophy? Brophy's a big school out here. Brophy tore us up. First half, it was 40 to zero, okay? At the end of the first, that's two quarters, y'all. That means we got two more. If they scored 40 in the first two, what are they going to do in the next two, you know? And if you average it out, it's going to be another 40. It's going to be 80 to zero by the end of the game, you know what I mean? And so we're nervous, we're upset, and we're down. And our head coach, we had a head coach, and I swear up and down, this is the first, like, fully functional drunk person I ever interacted with in my life. And he was a character, he was hilarious, but we knew he was always just faded all the time. Even at the games, we'd be like, my Lord, I almost said his name. Good Jesus, coach. And he's like, oh, it's good for you. Okay, this is how we talk. So anyway, uh, we go into halftime, okay, and, and, he, and he, this, this, this sticks with me to this day. We go in at halftime, we're losing real bad, and uh, I'm down, and, and uh, coach comes over, and he's like, okay, I got something to say. And he sits us all down, and everybody's like, oh, Lord, here we go. Here we go. He's like, I got a story to tell you. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Jesus, this is going to be good. At this point, we already know we lost, so we're kind of weak. You know what I mean? Like, what is he about to tell us? We lose him 40 to 0 to Brophy. Like, 
if the Lord himself came down and played receiver, they'd knock down the pass. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't, this, it's just not going our way. And so he tells us this story. And, and the, way he, the way it started out, nobody was paying attention, but he had all of our attention by the end of it. But this is how he started out. Okay, hey, all right, look. Now, when you come in and start out the, the motivational speech with, all right, look, you're like, man, he don't know what to say. You know what I mean? Like, right away, I'm like, oh, this dude don't know what to say. And so he goes, all right, look, there was a frog in a barrel of milk. And so my boy DJ is like, what? And I'm like, chill. He's going somewhere. You know what I mean? I grew up in the church. You know what I mean? So I'm thinking, you know, surely there's some revelation at the end of this frog in the bowl of, in the bowl of milk, right? And so he's like, he called it a barrel. He said there was a frog in a barrel of milk. And, and they threw in another frog and another frog and another frog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking, and my boy DJ's like, what? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's six frogs in the milk now. I don't know what's going on. There's six. We're down 40 to zero, and there's six frogs in the milk. Okay. And he goes, and these frogs was in the milk. And one frog looked at the other frog and said, hey, now, let's swim. And I'm like, okay, there's six frogs. They're, they're swimming, bro. They're swimming. And we're down 40 to zero. Uh, halftime's over in two minutes. Okay. And he's like, yep, and they're swimming, they're swimming, they're swimming. And, and the other frog told the other frog, don't you give up. We're going to make this milk turn into butter. <laughs> this is a true story. This is a true story. He said, we're going to make this milk turn into butter. And he said, they kept turning and they kept turning. And two days later, they was churning. So I'm like, wow, these frogs lived for two days in milk. And they were churning the milk. Wow. In the barrel. We got one minute till halftime's over. And so he's like, and you know what happened? After two days, the milk turned to butter. And they hopped out. Bring it in. <laughs> True story. To this day, I don't know where that my coach is, but I love him because I see the revelation in it. I see the revelation in it. When you have people around you that have the same mindset and the same goal, there are certain things that you can escape. 14-year-old Isaiah didn't know what he was talking about, but now I understand it. Now I understand it. So us as Christians, all we are are frogs and some milk. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> But do you get, what I'm, you get where I'm going. When you have people with you with the same mentality and the same mindset, there are certain things that you can get past with those people that, that you couldn't get with people who don't know what they're doing. Oh, come on now. We were preaching a message, and uh, I, just preached, I just preached at Northwest Christian High School, and uh, we were talking about how, uh, about how, um, I'm sorry, it was Phoenix Christian. I saw your hand go up, Christina. I lied. It was Phoenix Christian. My bad. And so Phoenix Christian High School. We're there in Phoenix Christian High School and whatnot. And so I was preaching, and this kid comes up to me, and he's like, well, my mom doesn't want me to hang out with, with friends that are bad. And I'm like, well, how bad are your friends? And he goes on. He continues to tell me their struggles and their issues and, and whatnot. And the Lord drops this, this thing on the inside of me about you being in a pool of water, and you're treading the water. But when you start adding people in that water who don't know how to swim, 
come on, from a spiritual standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint, if you start adding in friends that don't know how to swim and you do, what is the first thing that they're going to do? Pulling you down. And so then before you know it, if you don't have people who can swim on your same spiritual level, these people will pull you down and will have you spiritually submerged. Come on now, you got to get around people who know who they are. And if you're in this room right now, you don't know who you are in Christ Jesus. Get around people who do and learn. Oh, come on now. People will teach you lessons day in and day out, and they will teach you how to get to know yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, know yourself. Look at the other one and say, you too. Know yourself. And number three, we're going to get out of here. Get planted in the church. Get planted in the church. Um. Luke chapter 16, verse 6 through 7. This is the one that we opened it up with. Uh, then the Lord told them a story. A man had an apple tree planted in his front yard. He came to it expecting to find apples, but there weren't any. He said to his gardener, what's going on here? For three years, I've come to this tree expecting apples, and not one apple has been found. Chop it down. Why waste good ground with it any longer? People of God, we have too many Christians who are supposed to be apple trees and you're trying to grow oranges. You're stepping out of your lane, you're trying to do different things. You want to sing in a praise team and you know you can't sing. And we love you. It's okay. You know, you're trying to be an usher and you're trying to be a greeter, but you know you mean as hell. You know... You know, you, 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 you got people in the parking lot ministry, and you know you can't handle heat, and you got high blood pressure. Come on now. You got to know. You got to fit in. Come on now. You got to know where you fit in the body of Christ. And you know what? Say, you know what? I don't have time to serve. I don't have time. I don't have time to give my time. I, I can't stand babies. I can't do the parking lot. I can't, I can't do contagious. I can't do anything. Do you give? Because there's, there's all kinds of ways to be planted in a church. There's all kinds of ways to be planted in a church. When you are sitting in a church, you don't give, you don't serve. All you are is a dead tree sitting in good ground. Oh, that's for somebody on tonight. That's for somebody on tonight. Oh, that's for somebody on tonight. That's all you are. You, you are a tree sitting in good ground when God wants you to give and produce good fruit and, 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 and wants you to see spiritual fruit on the inside of your life, but you are sitting there stagnant, dead, in the midst of trees. And here's the, and here, and here's the key point. The reason why you're sitting there dead and, you, and, and you're good with that, people become comfortable in their dead state. Where you are sitting there dead because you're sitting there dead in good ground, your, your, your branches are broken. You've got no leaves coming out. But because you have a whole bunch of trees around you that are big and beautiful, you feel as if you are camouflaged in the middle. So you're sitting there spiritually dead in the living land, in the living forest, but you are sitting there dead, and the enemy has convinced you that being dead is comfortable. Being passive is comfortable. Being bound is comfortable. Being depressed is comfortable. Being insecure is comfortable. Oh, but come on, that is not your identity. That is not what God has called us to be. 
Oh, come on. God has called us to go out and trample the serpents. Oh, come on now. The enemy is out here warring and seeking who he may devour, but he won't devour you because you know who you identify with. Oh, come on. If you believe that, give God a hand praise on tonight. Come on now. He will not, he will not let us sit there and be dead anymore. You've got to get to that point. And some of you in this room, that's you. You don't give. You don't serve. You, 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 you come to church, yeah, but there's, 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 you know when you leave here, there's no connection. There's no spiritual walk that continues when you leave. And I'm not here to beat you up, but I'm here to tell you that we've been there before. I've been there before. Born and raised in the church. Raised up, use the excuse, I'm so young, I don't have to serve, I don't have to give, I don't have to do anything. Until I got to a point where I see myself in the middle of a family full of blooming trees with apples and oranges and all kinds of fruit. And there I am, comfortable in the back, because you can't really see me, but my tree is dead. Sitting in good soil, sitting in good ground, but dead. And I love at the end of the scripture, and I'm going to close with this. I love at the end of the scripture, the man says, the man who's watching the tree goes, wait, 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 wait. Give it another year. I'm going to turn the ground. I'm going to put some fertilizer on it. And we're going to make it happen. The revelation is that's Jesus with us. That's Jesus with us. He says, let me turn that ground. Let me put some fertilizer down because I'm not done with you yet. People will try to throw the towel in on you. People, the enemy will try to throw the towel in on you like, like it's not even worth it anymore. You've been dead for too long. The Bible says for three years, this tree gave no apples, no fruit. For three years. Some of us can't even stay in the church that long. I'm not talking about y'all. Look at your neighbor and say, he ain't talking about you. He ain't talking about you. 11.30 service, though. But listen. <laughs> At the end of the day, three years, no fruit. No fruit. But then you got Jesus steps in and says, give me a year. Come on now. There's somebody in this room. The Lord is saying, give me, give me a day. Give me, give me 10 hours. Give me... Give me, give me a year. Let me, let me work on you. Let me get to the bottom of the root and, 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 and give you a water source to let you to begin to, to, to flourish and give fruit and be what God has called you to be. With everyone standing, with everyone standing, and as I close.